being a startup founder is not for the faint of heart. You know, it's it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of late nights, sleepless nights, stressful days and nights. And, you know, it can be hard on the ego sometimes uh, because you may, if you're, you're not used to that world and you've come from the successful corporate world, it's, it's very different. So I think really understanding what it takes from all aspects, time, money, grit, and evaluating is, you know, do you have the stomach for it? Today on Austinpreneur, we chat with Christy Albayero, who is co-founder of Iugo. Christy received three degrees from the University of Texas at Dallas, which led to a successful career in a series of product ownership roles. In 2017, Christy co-founded Iugo to help ease the pain of tax and accounting for small businesses and startups. In their first year, Iugo helped 12,000 people file taxes and have continued to grow from there. Christy is deeply embedded in the Capital Factory community, with Iugo being a portfolio company as well as a key sponsor of our top events like Austin Startup Week and Fed Supernova. Don't go anywhere because you're bound to learn a lot from Christy in this episode of Austinpreneur. Welcome to Austinpreneur, our show about the stories that made Austin, Texas a global hub for startups. The show is produced by Capital Factory and hosted by me, Nick Spiller. As a reminder, by joining Capital Factory, you can plug into the ecosystem where the stories on this show were set. Learn more about us at CapitalFactory.com. This episode of Austinpreneur is brought to you by Iugo. You can manage your business more efficiently and focus on what really matters with accounting services by Iugo, I-O-O-G-O. They will handle the load for you, making accounting easier than ever for your business. Visit their website and learn more at iugo.com, I-O-O-G-O.com. Welcome, Christy, to the show. Uh, welcome to Fed Supernova. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, kicking off. Well, how long have you been in Texas? All my life. All your life? Yeah. Which, where in Texas did you grow up? I was in Houston for 15 years and okay. Dallas uh, ever oh. since. Which sports teams do you root for? Uh, Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys. Uh, Rangers, but I will root for Astros second. Okay. And then a Mavs fan, and I will root for the Rockets second. I say that because right. I will not root for the Texans. I'm sorry. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, that's that's awesome. Sounds like you fall on the Dallas side near yeah. near near your spot. So Dallas is a good city for sports. What's yes. Going on. So well, how about we start from the beginning? And you know, how did you come to co-found? you go and, and get into the, the tax and accounting space for, for startups and small businesses? You know, you know, growing up as a kid, all I could dream about was tax and accounting. <laughs> Not at all. Just kidding. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> I'm sure there's some kid out there. Um, <laughs> no, my background was uh, developing really awesome software, enterprise software solutions. Um, my husband, who's also my partner and co-founder, his background was in tax and accounting and we saw a need out there um, for DIY tax uh, to address something d differently than the other guys. And so we launched with a DIY tax software, 
And in that first year, you know, given that my husband's was previously working with small businesses, they were still reaching out to him for a tax help. So being a startup and new, of course, we wanted to help anyone that wanted our help. So we were helping small businesses with their tax preparation. And in that process, we realized that they were not keeping up with their books. We were also having to do their books as in preparation for the taxes. And so we saw, okay, what's happening? You know, there's great software out there. There's QuickBooks you know, why aren't they using it? It must not be easy to use. Let's build something that's easy to use. And so we actually started building our own solution for that, um, but found that wasn't really the issue. Um, The issue wasn't the software. Uh, The issue was that most founders don't start a business to thinking about tax and accounting. And so they either don't have time to do it or they don't want to do it, which, or it's both. And so... We decided to repurpose the technology that we built, and instead of continuing just to build another application for a business owner or a founder, we decided to repurpose it for ourselves to make ourselves more efficient. Mm. We didn't want to be another traditional CPA accounting company. Um, We wanted to leverage technology, understanding that there's a human element that's still needed. Um, And so with that, our technology allows us to quickly do what needs to be done to keep the books up to date, but then also address the very specific needs of each founder, making sure that they are thinking about, you know, they're planning for taxes, um, or if they're not yet profitable, how do we help them get to profitability? They're raising capital. Um, There's, you know, a lot of founders think that raising capital is about the pitch, and it is, but even more important is the numbers. And so being able to have those numbers ready to go and, understand them and speak to them is really important. So you brought this enterprise software product management background, your husband, co-founder brought the tax and accounting background and y'all figured this out in kind of a bootstrapped way where you had the business of more traditional, you know, small business style tax and accounting shop. And, and, you know, then you you infused it with the software technology platform to, to help, you know, entrepreneurs figure this out more convenient, easy to use way. Right. We did have help from some friends and family early on, uh, but however, we always went in with the mentality that we had to quickly get to profitability. How, how are we going to provide accounting advice to other companies when, if we weren't yet profitable ourselves? So that was um, our number one goal when we first started. And so knowing the space and also being an entrepreneur, working with entrepreneurs, what are some of the you know, key tax issues that you help help? those type of clients navigate? Honestly, the number one tax issue we see is just not having any, not having a tax return on being years behind. Even if they are pre-revenue, but they've told the government they exist, but they're not filing that tax return. So the number one issue is just even filing the tax return. Mm-hmm. And when you're pre-revenue, I mean, it's really just claiming your expenses. It's not right. hard. There's not a lot right. to it. Um, but you got to do it. You have to do it. Right. So, yeah. Well, what happens if you're like five years down the road and all of a sudden it's like a real business and you're like, I got to do my taxes. I haven't done it. Like, I mean, it, everything can still be done, but it's a lot of work. And right. so, all, you know, that procrastination because you didn't have time for it then is now catching up. And it's now probably two to three times more work because mm-hmm. you're having to go back five years and figure out what, you know, what was happening then. 
And so you're doing five years of work times two or three all at once. And, you know, that's that can distract you from operating your business. So uh, you can't just go file year five or like you'll still you be delinquent. You can, but it'll just complicate things. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, you can file year five. You right. know, let's say that it's March 1st and you still have the April 15th deadline and you don't want to be late for a fifth time. You can file that and then go back and file the rest. Yep. So when you're thinking about building software around this, like what are the important features, benefits of, of the tool uh, for these entrepreneurs going through these issues? So our number one goal when we're, you know, even though we, we are building that technology for ourselves in-house, but um, in conjunction with that, you know, we're using that technology to, to manage the client, you know, all aspects of it, whether it's tax, bookkeeping, accounting, CFO services, is we are it's really important that we make it as simple as possible for the founder or for the client because we don't want it to, them having to fumble, spend time fumbling around again with, you know, we didn't want to just be another software application or anything like that. Um, communications probably, their number one goal is just being able to quickly communicate um, with us and us being able to communicate back with them. So, um, being able to take that information and and automate made it to to where it needs to go um, was really important for us. Something I hear a lot about are R and D tax credits mm-hmm. for startups. And could you give us an introduction to what that is and why entrepreneurs should be thinking about it? Yes, absolutely. So uh, with the R and D tax credit, it's really a, a really cool incentive for startups. It's been around for for years. But it was geared for the longest time towards the big companies. And what I mean by that is basically all of the expenses that go into research and development of a technology of some sort or health, eco, you know, things, things that are innovative and tech-related. Um, you can basically take all of those expenses and calculate a credit for it. And for the longest time, that credit was used only to to offset income taxes for the for the corporation. So this is why I say it was primarily for the bigger companies because they were the ones that were profitable, had big income taxes, and when you're a startup, you're usually in the red. And so yeah, it's, no income. <laughs> right, so there's there's not a benefit there. And so um, Obama was the one that actually revamped it mm-hmm. and changed it to where you could still apply it for income taxes or you could apply it for payroll taxes. And so that's where it started becoming really beneficial for startups um, because that's also a big tax bill that they're paying throughout the year. And so to take this credit and basically apply it for what you would normally have to pay for payroll taxes is money that a startup gets to save and continue to invest into their own business. Um, So it's always, you know, everyone, no one likes paying taxes. And so if you can save on that, it's, it's a definite plus. And there's a, you know, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You can't just say, oh, I'm building the software application. Here's my expenses. Like, you actually have to build a case study around it, defend what you're doing and how it's innovative. And um, there's a lot of moving pieces to that. So let's maybe back up and talk about your time before Iugo. And you worked at a handful of companies um, over the years in primary product roles what are some of the key learnings you gained as a product manager, product leader 
that you, you put into action as an entrepreneur today? Great question. So when I really grew into the whole product role, um, at that time, I remember when I was pursuing jobs for that, you know, most of them said MBA preferred or MBA required. And I actually did go and pursue my MBA. And it wasn't until I was in the program that I understood why it was so important for that role, because an MBA is a very general business that's going to teach you about every aspect of the business, the accounting piece, the marketing piece, the sales piece, the HR piece, all of it. And when you are managing new software solutions that are being built and released, you also have to deal with every aspect of the business. You have to work with marketing to make sure it's being marketed right. You have to work with sales to make sure it's being priced right. You have to work with the development team to develop it. And so um, that's very much like running a business in that you're having to manage all aspects of it. And so I was able to carry that experience when first, because my husband, was he was the entrepreneur. He had that experience. So there was still a lot of learnings that I had to go through um, being new into starting a business. Um, so, it, you know, I had to learn that I'm not spending someone else's money. This is now my money or my friends and yeah. family money. So I couldn't go hire the most expensive engineer. Mm. Um, so I had to learn how to work smarter with, with what we had. Yeah. And how do you balance that? What's your strategy of, you know, getting quality work done on a cost-effective budget? So we went through some learnings when we first started, and one of the learnings that I had was that when you, if you want it, the quality with the cost-effective budget, you also have to be willing to manage it very, very well. Um, you can't just kind of put it out there and trust that it happens. Like you have to be constantly working with whomever is doing the work for you to make sure that it's that they're working towards your vision. And then, uh, you know, I think eventually, you know, you as you grow, you don't have to always nickel and dime everything. You can, you know, pay for the more experienced person. Mm -hmm. But you can I think there's a lot to say when you invest in someone that maybe isn't, you know, doesn't have all of the experience, but there's they've got that willingness to learn yeah. and if you know if you're willing to coach them yeah. I mean you can we have built some amazing team members that way that you know came in a little bit fresh under the collar but we put in the time and the effort to really coach them and and they become great leaders within our organization right right so you find someone ready to learn get after it and then really be ready to roll up your sleeves and coach them and teach them and get yep. them to the, the point where they're they're thriving right and you're teaching them what you want like so what's the level of quality that you're expecting and they don't get it right you're working with them to constantly to get yeah. it there and it's just it's you know it's never it it never ends but um but i think it's really important that you're in that you invest whether both time and money and support into your employees takes a lot of time as you're saying you also have a lot of other roles as a co-founder doing podcasts and speaking <laughs> and all, all, all sorts of things like that how do you approach managing your time and making sure you're you know, allocating your focus in, in the, the optimal way not gonna lie it's always a, a journey to make sure that I'm 
managing my time um, in the most optimal way. Yeah. But, you know, what I do try to do is make sure that I am planning my day with blocks of time that are that's specific to the things that I know have to get done, whether that's um, strategizing, planning, whether that's meeting with, you know, employees, team members on a project or, you know, following up, you know, with other other teams to make sure that, you know, they're meeting their deadlines. Um, it's really just, you know, planning the week and then planning each day, but not I don't usually like to plan off the whole week because things change very quickly. So I make sure that I just kind of plan it day by day, knowing what my overall goals are for the yep. week. Got it. So kind of very weekly focus without being over, over planned. So you get yeah. some flex, flex time. And how do you see the next, you know, five years playing out in your space? And what are some of the, the big trends on the horizon that you're thinking about and how are you approaching them? In the next five years, you know, it was interesting when COVID hit. We saw a lot of, we saw, sadly and not sadly, I mean, we saw a little, a boom in business because a lot of the traditional CPAs, accounting firms, um, the accountants retired or some even passed away. And so, um, you know, I think that over the next five years, you know, we'll see again more shift to companies embracing technology because that's a really important aspect of any client that we work with is that they're willing to embrace technology. If you're looking for that traditional CPA with an office that you can go into with a shoebox of receipts, we're not going to be a good fit (laughs) for you. Um, But if, you know, you're happy with um, working with, with easy to use applications where, you know, you're communicating electronically Primarily, you're having Zoom phone calls, um, then we're a good match. And I think that over the next five years, we'll continue to see people embracing technology more. I think that we'll also see more more and more automation. Um, AI is a big term that likes to be thrown out in the industry. Um, and while firm believer that AI is amazing and can do a ton, and I rely on, I love ChatGPT, I think that when it comes to tax and accounting, we're still a bit away from that. I don't think that's something in mm. the next five years. Um, and that's a lot because the IRS themselves are at least like 20, 30 years behind in technology. You can't email the IRS. Really? No. You can call them or you can fax them mm. <laughs> or you can mail a letter. You and show up at their office? I don't know if you can do that, <laughs> but, you know, they're – they're trying to do yeah. stuff with technology through portals and things like that, but the communication is still a very old school method. And so because of that, you know, it kind of holds back on how much you can do through automation and AI and tax and accounting. Got it. But the, you know, the effects of pandemic and the lockdown and the new normal accelerated this, this more tech driven working style. And, and that's, you know, Plan to advantage of, of companies like like Iugo. Absolutely, I mean, we we definitely before the pandemic we struggled with people wanting to meet face to face first, oh. and um, even tech companies, you know, they were wanting to meet face to face, and so we were trying to oblige, but you can't scale that way either. And so you know, with the pandemic, they were forced to do Zoom, and all of a sudden everybody knew and learned how to do Zoom and yeah. love Zoom, and so it's. Ever since then, we haven't had any 
issues like that. And how do you, what are your goals as a company now? So that's the, the industry and where do you really want to take how you go for the next big milestones? You know, I think more focused, you know, we've been for many years focused on helping companies grow, become profitable. But we also understand that there's a lot of startups that are raising capital, but don't necessarily understand what all it entails. It seems a lot easier because we hear a bunch of stories about startups getting funded that we don't always hear this, how many, the stories of other companies that don't get funded and maybe why not. And we've gotten to see firsthand through clients what that journey looks like. We've gotten to see firsthand from us raising capital what that journey looks like. And so really, and understanding that so much of it relies on the numbers um, that we really want to focus on helping those startups understand how it, it, what it looks like to prepare Mm. to fundraise mm-hmm. and then even once you get that investment your investors want to know your numbers every right. monthly and so right. you have to keep up with that and yep. and really working with startups in that capacity right yeah it's become you know, hot hot topic of how hard it is to fundraise and i say it's always been very hard and i think you're right and we're, startup community is really good at publicizing the the big wins and, and hiding all the the, the failures and right. you know and, and in a lot of ways you legally can't talk about the failures and it makes makes a, a lot of sense and i guess you for for entrepreneurs that are fundraising themselves what are some tips you've picked up you know working with your clients and, and raising money for iuga the data room is so important um and just having it prepared because nothing's worse than finally getting to that first um investor that says that's interested but wants to dig in more and you're not ready because chances are you're fundraising because you need the money, you know, nine times out of ten. And so it just slows down the process when you're not ready. And so the advice would be make sure that your data room is ready from a numbers perspective, from a pitch deck perspective, from any supplementary um, documentation that, you know, know what that is and be prepared for it and then be able to speak to it as well. Um, you know, they're going to, you know, for a founder that, you know, doesn't have any kind of background in accounting, they're going to get a lot of acronyms thrown at them on a phone call. And if you don't know what those are, or you're prepared to answer them. It's going to be a tough conversation. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's important to know that you're going to, you know, everyone's going to get 99 no's before they get that one yes. And the important thing is to learn from all of the 99 no's. Because there are things that you're going to probably kick yourself for not knowing because they asked you some question that came out of left field. But then you prepare for that question the next time someone asks you that question. Right. Or, you know, the best way to limit the number of random questions is to get out front and put that information out there when you're pitching, um, explaining your business model. And... And so just taking those learning experiences and refining your pitch and preparation, I think, is really important. What's been the biggest challenge you face as an entrepreneur? When you're first starting and you're trying to gain that traction and validating what you do within the industry, I think, was the biggest challenge for us. Because even still today, the 
one of the top questions I get asked is, when did y'all start? When did you? Mm. And people want to know that you've been around for a while because there's a trust factor there if you've been around yeah. for a while. Um, so I think that was probably a, one of the top challenges when first starting. Establishing the credibility and mm-hmm. getting, getting out there and taking seriously. Okay. There's a lot of a lot of competitors in, in most spaces, and I think yours, yours especially. So. Right. And do you have any other advice for entrepreneurs that are just maybe maybe not even entrepreneurs, but people thinking about being entrepreneurs on, on you know, how they should think about diving in or not? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's always helpful to either have an advisor or a trusted person that's been there, done that, been there more than once and done that, and try to understand what it really takes because being a startup founder is not for the faint of heart. You know, it's it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of late nights, sleepless nights, stressful days and nights and you know it can be hard on the ego sometimes uh because you may if you're you're not used to that world and you've come from the successful corporate world it's it's very different so i think really understanding what it takes from all aspects time money grit and evaluating is you know do you have the stomach for it Mm, yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's really important. Yeah, I always recommend if you're unsure, I would just try to go work with a startup for a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, and even if it's just, you know, for free early on or even just yeah, getting a, a job and that can give you a, a decent taste and, and show you the inside of, of what these things are like. That's very true. I, I worked there. There was one startup I did work for back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, we had a lot of late nights pushing, you know, to get a new software release out there. And there was one time I remember I was driving driving home at 6 a.m. <laughs> and we had had t- terrible ice storms that week. And I remember driving home and listening to the news talking about there was more ice storms coming. And I was like, oh, crap, but I got to be at work in a few hours. <laughs> and... But I was like, no, they're talking about the next day. And my, I remember just being completely thrown off because I was driving home at 6 a.m. Right, right. So, that, yeah, let me give you a taste of it for sure. Um, well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Awesomepreneur. Don't forget to check out CapitalFactory.com to learn more about us and join our community. If you have thoughts about the show or ideas on how we can work together, reach out to me directly via email, nickspiller at CapitalFactory.com. Shout out to the Capital Factory Dream Team for making this podcast possible. And special thanks to Aaron Handworker, who masterfully recorded and edited the show.